Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back, everybody, to the Strictly NFL Podcast. Here today without Jeff, but back again with Stacy, back again with Kurt, following up the college football semifinals last week where we saw Washington beat Texas. We saw Michigan beat Alabama, much to Stacy and Kurt's delight. Kurt obviously being the number one Bama hater on the internet and Stacy being a big Michigan fan. So we got a college football championship to preview. Michigan, like I just said, against Washington. And a whole lot of NFL talent on this field on Monday. A um, whole lot of good coaching. A lot of stuff to go on with this game to analyze. Um, so, how are you guys feeling? But, you know, about the games last week, and then we'll get into it for uh, the supplement week. Stacy, you're the Michigan man. You go ahead. How's yeah, it feel? Kurt, I'll let you take the first crack. Oh, okay. No, I'll, um, yeah, go ahead, Kurt. Okay. No, I was – it was interesting. It was, a, <clears throat> I thought the Michigan Alabama game was kind of what we expected. Just, we all had the feeling it was kind of to be low scoring. I kind of was higher on Bama's offense. And I think that's where that burned me. Um, maybe that was, I don't think I was discrediting Michigan's defense. I was just thinking, man, this is a statement. This is something Bud Elliott has said on the cover three podcast is Michigan has the guys on the D line that people think Georgia and Alabama have. And that showed they were able to get pressured nonstop. It forced Bama to really adjust their game plan in the second half. They could not run the ball for, let's see, they ran the ball for, and they ran the ball for 172 yards, but on 43 but carries. Yeah. So it's like, it's not, that was the whole point of the offense. You want to prevent the explosive plays. And I thought that game plan worked really well for them. I thought they kind of did everything they needed to do, except they were awful on special teams. And they are so lucky that did not cost them. Yeah. So. They were within an inch of blowing that game because of special teams. Yep. So. I mean, they gave away, I think the number I texted my dad was like 11 points with the fumble, the missed extra point, the, the muffed kick, the missed extra point, and the missed field goal. They left 11 points on the board and still and that's, beat Alabama. And that's without considering. And, and Alabama deserves some credit, not the muffed punt. Uh, well, they, they also, the muffed punt, I don't know if you – it's reasonable to say they were going to drive 80 yards or whatever on Alabama at the end of regulation. But even at the end, one that nearly cost him the game, the last month. Um, but even if he lets it go, if it rolls in the end zone, they have a chance to just get in line for, for a field goal, which is another special teams play. But also I think Bama, Bama's punter was awesome. Um, quite possibly their MVP. Um, and that really – you know, it, it was. It felt a little bit like playing Iowa at times, you know, <laughs> because of just the running <laughs> on special teams. I thought. I thought both games were a lot. Like I think now, maybe it is because we just have so much. Um, you know, we have so much data, and we can watch so much more, and there's so much access to watching these teams. I think the, both these games went the way I'd expected. Um, I think with Alabama, they came into this game. I think expecting that they could drop back. They wanted to drop Milrow back seven step drop. And they thought that their receiver is going to cook Michigan secondary. They didn't probably think Michigan doesn't have some Aiden Hutchinson type. Um, 
And they've also seen that teams have been willing to sit back a little bit. And Georgia tried to do some stunts. I thought it had mixed success. I think people have underrated Georgia's defensive plan a little bit, but Georgia's keeping two spies there. Michigan didn't spy. Um, and I think they said, we're going to come after Milrow. We have faith in our guys to stay in their lanes. or to We have faith in the stunts. They're, this is what Michigan does. I think that was just, that was probably the biggest thing. Like stunts is what they, they showed more five-man pressure and more cover one and, and more man than I think that they've showed all season. Um, they're a much more conservative team until the Ohio State game, at least. Um, and they that really caught Bama off guard. And they adjusted by hitting the edge. And and the, the other thing was Michigan made Milroad the, the front and center of the game plan. Even when they weren't spying, when he took off on scrambles, there were, you know, everyone had their eyes on him. You know, he was, they were meeting him. Uh, and Bama weaponized that. They got Jace McClellan going. I thought Bama, the, their first long touchdown run was a really nice design on an insert where Michigan is expecting, uh, I think, the guard to go to a different spot than he did. Oh, they expected a double on the defensive tackle. Instead, they doubled him with the fullback, and the guard hit the linebacker, which essentially created a one-on-one, at, at, and then the safety was re- late to react. Yeah, God, God bless his ankles. He got cooked. Yeah, <laughs> he did get – and that's, that is – by most people's estimates, Michigan's most valuable player, Mike Sanders, still, who was also a very valuable player. They kept that, that was the other adjustment they made. They kept blitzing him off the edge um, to kind of cut off Mill Rose escapes. Um, but I, I thought the biggest surprise to me, and what I what I'd been thinking was that this game is going to come down to is Michigan going to be aggressive uh, on offense? I knew on defense they would have a good game plan. Even against TCU, I didn't think the game plan was bad on defense last year. Um, you know, it, they, they got cooked a couple of times, but you know, I think the defense played well enough for them to win last year against a very good offense today. The defense was as good as I expected. It was the offensive game plan that really surprised me. Michigan only put up 20 points in regulation. I know, but, um, there were a lot, there was a lot of missed execution, but frankly, um, you know, JJ missed, JJ nearly threw a pick on the first play and he missed, you know, he was late behind a guy on what should have been a first down, which ended up being four than two missed a, a, an open deep out um, that, um, you know, it was, it's not the easiest pass, but that was a really nice route that Cornelius Johnson ran on Terry and Arnold. I missed that. And, um, but in general, they, they were able to run the ball effectively. They ran a good amount of play action. They got JJ involved in the ground and they used motion on basically every play, which you have to do against Bama. And that's not to say that Bama is particularly bad at reacting to motion. Uh, it, re- re- it reminds me a little bit of what um, there's that one first take episode and i know we're not big first take fans but a long time ago mark cuban went on first take because he just like said skip bayless was full of shit and there's a part of that where he was he was explaining and again he's not the coach obviously but he's explaining what they're trying to do to lebron it's like we played zone against lebron not because he's bad at or like because he's choking but you want him to think and have to read and he made the most the right read but you're getting the ball out of his hands and you're forcing him to think and that's what and that that is that makes these superhuman defenders at least human. Yeah, I mean, you is, see that a lot with the the advent of the modern triple option, the spread triple option in modern college football is when it gives you an extra layer of information on, hey, you can better read the coverage if you see him in there because now they don't have the signs, so they had to try something. Um, <laughs> they, 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 they put guys in motion, put people in action. I thought they handled – it felt like Bama didn't play bad on defense, but it kind of just felt like Michigan had the ball the entire time. 
they did they, what they had to do, right? Yeah. Like they took what the defense gives them. And I want to say something because I said it on the last time. You have to kill them. You can't let them. The score was 20 to 13. It was fourth and two. They were inside what? Their own 30, 35? And they said, no, we're not giving the ball back to Bama because those are the drives. Bama just eats up the entire clock, kicks a field goal, and it's game over. Uh, before that, they also had that incredible um, Super Bowl-esque sack to knock Alabama out of field goal range. But actually, that was in the that was the final drive. But I'll go back to the point. Fourth and two. They got 35, 40 yards out of it. They set them up. For, and then they went tempo. Yeah, legal block. They yeah. And they got the game-tying touchdown. That's yeah, what and I they mean. Killed- yeah. They killed, you they have to throw it against Bama. You can't let Bama be the ones to make mistakes. You and have that's to been, seize your turn. And that's been a big bugaboo. Like against TCU, I think last year Michigan was like, we're going to run it down their throats. And you have to get really creative, right? And they were just extremely creative. That's how they got all those crossers open, right? They're mm-hmm. big plays. That fourth and two, they moved, they motioned Blake Corum to the other side to get – now you have another linebacker on him was to adjust quickly, and now he has to wait through all that traffic. Easy first down. Uh, so they were much more aggressive with their game plan on both sides of the ball. Uh, and offense was, and I thought that if they did do that, especially on offense, they had the horses to win this game. And if they don't screw up on special teams, I think they might win in regulation. If, uh, if they don't screw up on special teams, we've moved on to the Washington Texas game by now because that game's over by halftime. Yeah. If they, and the the other thing, I'll just the last note on that. I will say one thing that people had said, and I think it pertains to this Washington team. Washington's been through a lot of adversity. Last year, it's the same thing. Like, Michigan hadn't played a close game really all year until they played TCU. And, um, you know, that probably came back to bite them. Yesterday, or, uh, you know, on, on Monday, they were they were down late. They had to pull deep to save their season. Um, so I think that experience is good, especially now that they are playing Washington. Um, and it showed. And I think the last thing is, like, yeah, like, they – against Georgia, beyond the fact that there was a talent advantage – they were shook. You could see if you rewatch the, the game tape, you're seeing, I mean, household yeah. names now. Jalen. There's Carter. nothing wrong with that. Like teams, it, they're big stages. It you have to lose big to to learn to lose small to win small to win big. So yeah. it's like it's a path. Sorry, I don't know. And and they, and, they, and they made that. But you're exactly right, right? They didn't look shook against Bama as well. Uh, you know, Bama had that clip where the offensive lineman walked through the Michigan formation or the Michigan sideline early, and you just have these big 360-pound dudes. And the last play of the game, Josiah Stewart, transferred from Coastal Carolina, 240 pounds, Shout goes out. against J.C. Latham, knocks him on his ass. Chanticleer, and, baby. That's Chanticleer pride. Um, but um, <laughs> but I, I also do want to talk about the other game. I thought that was a hell well, of a game. Before we go on, I, Colin, what were your thoughts? Anything stand out to you about Alabama-Washington? Stacy and I go on this like we go into our own world and we talk college football. So no, you're good. I want to let you guys get all your thoughts out. Um, my biggest thing was I'm I'm gonna relate a lot of the kind of main points to NFL stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't see like how people are not embracing motion at minimum once every play, if not twice. Like the way that Michigan used it, especially on that fourth down with Quorum. It is such a just just such an advantage. Like you literally know if they're in man or zone on any play you want, depending on running motion, for the most part, right? Like not it's not always one hundred percent, but it it is very often going to give you that tell. And 
with a quarterback like JJ, who's been a two, two and a half year starter, right? Stays because he came in freshman year for like the last half of the season, I believe. No, he, he was he was never a starter. He was as a freshman, he was used kind of situationally. Yeah, uh, he was he used they used to load a lot of runs, but he could throw too. So they would bring him in for a couple yeah. plays here and there. But um, I know he had gotten and then he, he finished the Georgia game because it was a blowout. But yeah. yeah, so with him now, so two year starter, you know, not everybody's Trevor Lawrence starting for three years. Like he's a two year starter, at Michigan. He's been in big games, but he's still a young quarterback, and he needed that motion to rely on at times. And then fourth down, he barely really went through his reads. He got that, you know, that tell from the motion from Corum. And he was like, all right, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to look off. I'm going to pat the ball right when Corum springs open past. Uh, and he goes, you know, right on the line of scrimmage. I'm dumping it to him. He's going to be ass naked. So that's, that's the type of stuff where something that I think people hold against Tua, which I don't hold this against him, even though I'm very critical of him as a player. You use that stuff to your advantage, and you know what you're looking. For. It's going to give you success, and it's give you going to give you a massive crutch to lean on in those big moments. So I think that's a tell for, or something that people should be taking away as NFL fans watching this game. The NFL needs to be embracing motion a whole lot more than they are, and yeah, that's my biggest tell from this game. See, that's interesting because I kind of agree, but I also think. They have to have motion beaters in a defense. If it's as obvious as, like, oh man, they, I'm sure you have some type of motion beater. Like, you bluff a coverage one time, you blow it up, and you make them throw it out of the playbook, you know? So I don't disagree because I think it's really smart, but I also think defenses in the NFL are really good. So they have to know that motion. It's, it's not a cure all. I think, I yeah. think the, the kind of middle point I think is saying that it's not that it's a cure all but it makes defenses work that much harder, right? So if defenses are that good, like... Yeah, put, put, make, put them in action, put them in conflict, force yeah, them make to them, make them to make adjustments, make them communicate, and it probably has less of an effect on certainly veteran defenses, right? But this is also Bama's advantage was not experience on defense, right? Yeah, Caleb talented. Downs may be their most talented player. He's a true freshman still, and he thought he played a hell of a game, but these are the things, and those linebackers, again, five stars... Still inexperienced. That's what you're kind of you're attacking that part of it. Yeah, um, it feels like a uniquely college scenario. Oh, okay. Um, sorry. No, I gotta read that in a second. But no, I I agree. I agree um, with the middle point and just kind of that whole thing. And it's it's just fun. It's cool seeing people go in motion like that because it it's kind of like a good appetizer for the play. You know, you see you see Tyree Hill go in motion. And you go, oh, something's going to happen. You know? It yeah. does create a level of anticipation with the play that I think is something only that kind of pre-snap movement can do. From an aesthetic standpoint. I care about aesthetics because I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, well, I mean, if you look at the Super Bowl, that's how the Chiefs killed – I mean – I was about to say that. I was yeah. about to say that. I'm glad you brought With that. the anticipation that killed them with anticipation? No. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, what was happening was – Stacy, I'm sorry if I take this kind of like out of your mouth, but when the Chiefs were bringing Sky Moore and Tony over, the Chiefs had, uh, sorry, the Eagles had a role in their coverage for the first DB or the DB closest to the first inline receiver to roll under. And then the outside DB would take Tony or Sky Moore, who was coming over, you know, 
uh, through the line of scrimmage to the opposite side of the field. So that is why I say that motion should be used as often as you can, because on that instance, exactly what you said happened, right? The defense had a motion beater, more or less a motion beater, because they're not giving you the tell based off of what they're going in, right? Because nobody really moved with Sky or Tony, so you're anticipating man, but they were still in, technically speaking, a zone, right? What it just did, though, was the defense had to communicate. They didn't do it properly. Boom, two touchdowns for Kansas City. And, you know, it's never looked easier, right? So I think someone who's really good at that kind of stuff, that kind of operant conditioning, is Todd Munkin with the Baltimore Ravens. Fantastic. I had had the pleasure of watching him for three years, and I thought – as much as the talent and the NFL caliber players we've had on that Georgia roster, Todd Munkin's the reason we won the national championship two years in a row. And I don't think that's an understatement. Most and Georgia your offense, fans. Your offense, was, besides Bowers, really hasn't been. I mean, Pickens was great, but like he was injured a lot. Yeah. Your offense those, hasn't been that head and shoulders, right? So that was yeah, a lot of him. Yeah. And I think what he does is a form of conditioning you see a lot. And forgive me for the nerdy compromises, but you see a lot in fighting games. Like, you get someone, you're punching on someone, and they have to block. So you throw them. So now they have to be ready for two things. And when they're looking for the two things, you hit them with the third thing. So you just kind of set them up one way or the other to get them to react a certain way. And I think that's why play calling is so interesting. And it's so fun to – because I know we're kind of getting way off topic now, but I I guess I can spin this into watching how Washington and Texas called the games. They went in very – we're going to do option A. We're going to do option B to make you respect option B so we can do option A better. And then once you kind of find the middle ground, once you take away option B, then we go to option C, and then we hit you with our knockout punch. Yeah, You can see just the way Penix and DeBoer layered their throws to be like, once you get into that 40-yard range, they'll do dinks and dunks, maybe take a couple tops off the defense. But when they do that 25 to 35-yard range, and let, let Penix hit it a seam route, whew, you've never seen a better play in your life. Yeah, and I, I thought the game was played a lot on, on Washington's terms, that Washington-Texas game. Yeah. Um, a Texas average, I think, over five yards a carry, maybe six yards a carry. Um, Ewers got loose a bunch. Six and a half. Yeah, six and a half yards a carry. And they just didn't run the ball that much. I think, you know – Texas and Texas again. That may not be their game, right? Because they're a physical team, but they also they got Xavier Worthy, they got um, Adonai Mitchell, right? You want they have a, a very talented quarterback. Although I think they put a, probably a little bit too much on his shoulders. Not a knock on Quinn Ewers, but first year starter and all that. And you have this running game to lean on. And they got into a bit of a track meet with Washington, and that's I think what Michigan's going to have to avoid. Um, but I think it was the motion. I think Texas had a vulnerable pass defense. Washington knew they could exploit it. I thought they did a good job of using Dylan Washington – or, sorry, Dylan Johnson. Um, but um, but Texas, I thought there were more opportunities to run the ball. They also turned the ball over twice. Yeah. Um, and so th- those are the things – I think if they had controlled the game, avoid turnovers, get yours some – you know, trade a few of those maybe difficult uh, kind of empty, empty shotgun plays or – you know, some of the plays where, where it's an obvious pass for, you know, going back more towards play action, uh, hit a couple of more of those deep balls, which I know he hit. Uh, you know, in Texas, I think, lost a little bit of control of the game. Uh, that said, it was a fantastic game. I thought that that went a lot of the way a lot of people thought it would. 
I think people thought Washington was going to be able to, to score a lot. I think people didn't know what to expect with that Texas defensive line against the Washington offensive line, Joe Moore winning offensive line. I think Washington won that matchup pretty thoroughly. Um, I think they're underrated in terms of run blocking, to be honest. They're not, um, they're, they're, they're very capable. They're a pass blocking line, but they're very capable of that. Uh, the, the comp I've been making as I go into this is Ohio State in 2021 for Washington. See, was when you said, uh, the, when you, when you were talking about uh, Michigan's defense and how they'd have to really spread their wings against Ohio State and like play more man, you're going to, if you want the game plan for Washington, go look at 2021 with the three, three receivers, NFL level quarterback, elite offensive line because they they've had an elite offensive line for the last couple of years. But they, so. but they are a pass, they've been a pass blocking line, and that was yeah. that, how Michigan. So this year Michigan won because they really have the talent. Mm-hmm. That year they had two great edge rushers. Rushers, they had DJ Turner ended up going I think first round, late first round or early second round, and they had a bunch of guys. Yeah. Um, and um, how they won that was edge pressure, and they played very conservative on the back end. They have the guys to do more than that this year. They have interior pressure. That's the biggest difference. Uh, they have Will Johnson on the outside, who's, um, I, I think, after the Michigan-Alabama game, I am willing to call him the best corner in the country. Um, he played on the same field as a couple of the other ones, and I thought he was the best corner of the field that day. Oh, absolutely. Um, and um, I think you'll see a similar game. Play, but I think what's, what, what's different about Jesse Minter, and that's going to be – like, this is such a fucking – fun matchup sure. jesse minter against kalen DeBoer. like DeBoer has all of like he gives so many options he also is a very smart quarterback so i'm gonna say DeBoer and Penix. um they have a ton of talent they maximize it they get every inch out of it which ryan day at times can leave a little bit of meat on the bone i think ryan day is a great game planner um and the other thing ryan day has done over the last couple of years is let michigan off the hook on fourth down i don't think that's going to be the thing but jesse minter you never know what to expect he's going to mix up his coverages He's going to show man, then show zone, then go back to man. He's going to, you know, he's going to have zone this way, cloud one side, then maybe shift the cloud to the other side. He's going to show pressure back out. Against Bama, he showed a lot of pressure, and he brought five a lot. Uh, it's very – and that, that chess match is just – it's the best defensive line against the best offensive line, best quarterback against the best defense, best offensive mind against the best defensive mind. That is going to be just, and not to say that the Michigan offense against the Washington, but I think the Michigan offense against Washington defense is a little more predictable. I think Michigan offense is going to revert a little bit back more to pounding the ball. I do think they have enough, like Texas was able to run the ball. Um, I think they're going to have an advantage there. The question is, can Michigan, is Michigan get too predictable? Will they be willing to go to play action? How much will they use JJ in the run game? And can they convert in the red zone? But I think they're going to be able to move the ball. With Washington and Michigan, I mean, my, my prediction is Jesse Minter is going to play soft. He's going to say, you're not throwing the ball over our heads to Roman Dinze or, or, um, or Polk. Um, and then, you know, I, I think McClellan's going to have a big game because they're probably going to have to be, they're going to put him on a lot of one-on-ones. They're going to trust Sanders still. I think that's, that's another hell of a matchup. Um, but I think it's going to come and Washington struggled. They had to kick three field goals. Like they're a good running team. Ohio state was a, they, Ohio state at Travion Henderson. They got chunk plays against Michigan in that game couldn't convert in the red zone couldn't convert on short yardage i think that's what michigan's going to lean on and they're like all year they've basically been in this mode where you know, they're willing to concede some five six ten yard gains on first down on runs because they know that eventually mason graham's going to play make a play kenneth grant's going to make a play and you're going to be in second and nine are you going to be in third and nine you don't want to be in third and nine against this defense 
And uh, Penix is a good scrambler. He's also only 41% on passes outside the pocket. So on those passing downs, they're going to come after Penix. Uh, I don't think you want to blitz him very predictably because he's such a smart quarterback. Like Milrow, it's like if you blitz him, they don't have like a first read, a quick Tom Brady type offense, right? He's not just going to dump the ball off to his hot read. They want him to sit back and throw it deep. And that They took that away from Bama. They're going to have to mix it up more. Just a, a fascinating matchup. Uh, and then you, you, you go into the history of these teams. They played in the Rose Bowl a bunch of times. Washington's coming to the Big Ten next year. Um, very similar schools, right, in terms of, you know, tradition. Washington's a big school. Um, you know, like uh, both push, you know, have a lot of pride in their academics and all of that. Uh, it's just going to be a very – It's. I, I mean, I, I know maybe the, the TV guys were hoping for Michigan-Texas or Texas-Alabama. <laughs> I love this matchup. I mean, not just as a Michigan fan. I just think it's a great matchup for college football. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought Washington's been a top three team all year. Uh, the only, Surprisingly, the only time I thought they were not top three was after they beat Oregon, which is some weird in some weird way our brains were. time or the first time? The first time. Okay. Because it was like, ah, I think Oregon left a lot of me on the – but going back to just keeping this about Washington, I, I was impressed by their secondary. I'm looking at the stat sheet. Jabbar, Jabbar Muhammad had – Three pass deflections? That's really good. Well, he came uh, back after getting hurt. He was the one who made that last play, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then you have guys like Xavier Worthy and Adonai Mitchell. Six catches between the top two receivers. Their leading receivers are Jatavion Sanderson's and Jordan Whittington. Good players. Just not Well, you're winning if you get Texas's offense to go to their tight end. And, exactly. You know, and I, I said who's going to have the better day as a receiver. Was it going to be one of the top Texas receivers or one of the top Washington receivers? It was the Washington receivers. So I think it's going to have to be Bama or Michigan on the ground against Washington because I noticed the wide receivers didn't get a ton of separation against Bama, and maybe this Washington defense is a little more salty than we give them credit for because they've been in a lot of these tough situations. And I think I saw a comment on Reddit from a Washington fan about this defense was, they're not going to make every play, but when you need a play, Oh, no, they're not going to make the play when you want them to make it. They're going to make the play when they need to make it. And I think that is a level of clutchness that we can't, like, track. Because they, they placed your uh, – I mean, like I said, they've played in a ton of games. They've played in a ton of close games. The Pac-12 was really competitive. They held their own against USC offensively. They played – they were better than Bo Nix both times they played. They're a good – seasoned unit defensively and i know they probably have some day two day three guys that are going to make a team instantly better i don't know if jamar muhammad can come out but i definitely think there's going to be some value in the later rounds with these washington defense yeah i um i was really impressed by michael Penix. i i knew you know throughout the season building off of last year i knew the type of quarterback he was like you know with accuracy and arm strength um I was I wasn't surprised, but I really liked how he handled Texas um, getting after him, and I thought that's not to take away from him because I, I like I said I was thoroughly impressed, but Texas to me was very undisciplined in in their rush lanes, um, and I think they let themselves kind of not be too blitz happy, but when they were blitzing, they weren't maintaining focus of like okay why are we blitzing? We're blitzing because we want to get Penix to roll left, roll right, whatever they were trying to do. And they kind of let go of that. And they were like, oh, he's right here. Let me go get him. And then he gets to break the pocket, step up, hit, hit somebody. Um, 
I just to touch off, I think what Stacey brought up earlier, I think the biggest matchup in this game is not going to be so much McMillan and San and Sanders still. I think it's going to be um, Jalen Polk and Josh Wallace, you know, because Will Johnson is probably going to be going head to head with Romo Dunze. And that's going to be absolutely like that's a, that's every NFL scout is going to have his yeah this this is her guys on that matchup I mean if if you if you listen to this pod I know you're a smart football fan you guys love wide receiver cornerback matchups that shit's yeah that's it, the WWE of, exactly uh, exactly yeah so to me, like I know I feel like I know what McMillan is as a player like I think he's a really good player. I know Sanders still is going to be a good player just because of the work ethic stuff and just how how good he's gotten in so limited time at slot. Um, Johnson and Odunze, they speak for themselves. Um, I think Polk and Josh Wallace, like they are going to be the guys who, who kind of decide this game for their respective teams. Um, if I had to lean somewhere, I feel like I can rely on Josh Wallace more just because I, I, I love – Michigan's defense. I love how just they can they can beat you with the rush, right? So you can give him a little bit of a cushion, kind of, or or if you want, make him play more aggressive. Make Jalen Polk beat you downfield and see if Penix has time to get a throw off. Um, but that's that's like my number one matchup. I know I went ahead a little bit and and discussed more about Michigan. Yeah, and I and I'm curious, going building off of what you're saying, I'm curious as to how Washington attacks this defense first. Because you're going to have first reads on these. The first 15 plays are going to be scripted. Are they yeah. going to see what we're seeing and say, like, hey, is this – if if Polk can win this matchup, do we target Polk early? See what – see where it is. Do they target McMillan early? Do they see where the gap is between Odunze and uh, Will Johnson? Where do they attack first? Or do they come out trying to run it and try and get them to come, creep up? It'll be interesting to see where they try to attack the defense first. So I guess Stacy, in, in the games you've watched with Michigan, do they? You said they usually do soft coverage because they, they're okay with giving up a little bit of yards. But I guess it'll be interesting to see where Washington attacks Michigan early.
Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. Yeah. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.